0: In Scotland, when friends get together, they blether. When these three friends happen to be Scottish Blue Badge tourist guides, you can be sure that the country that they're so passionate about will be right at the heart of their discussions. Be it contemporary or historical, culinary or cultural, reminiscence or anecdote, from accommodation to zoos, the chat will range right across the entire alphabet of topics and issues that are live and happening in Scotland right now. We hope that you'll join us. There's nothing to beat a richt good blether.
1: Scotland is in so many people's travel plans, so whilst you can't travel, we can bring a bit of Scotland to you. Coming up in the next 20 to 30 minutes, we'll explore the following themes.
2: I'm going to blether about access, how people can get out into the country with freedom to roam. And my blether will be about architecture, but in
0: this case, it's vernacular architecture, the smaller traditional buildings of Scotland.
1: And I'm going to talk to you about ancestry research, something I've been doing during lockdown. We'll finish the episode with each of our favourite Scots words of the week.
0: Okay, so welcome to episode two of Scottish Blethers. We're glad that you've
2: stuck with us so far.
1: Helen, can you tell us a bit about access in Scotland and why it's so unique?
2: Well, we're very lucky in Scotland because there's no law of trespass. We have freedom to roam, and that was established by the Land Reform Act in 2003. So everybody has the right to roam wherever they wish in Scotland. However, there is a code of practice. You have to be very careful that you uh, behave responsibly. People have a right to privacy, but also the management of the land must be done responsibly with an acceptance of our freedom to roam. People tend to respond better if the land management show that people are welcome to cross their land. You know, the, the gates are put in place, styles are put in place, and the best way of keeping The access good is by paths. The local authorities, that's the local councils, have an obligation to create core paths, and these will be shown in pink on a map. And these are kept open. If the land ownership needs to um, do some work on the land, they provide alternative paths and direct people through an alternative route, but they keep the right of access closed very for a very short time and then they re-establish the core paths. But it's also part of the responsibility to ensure that people with additional support needs can also access the land, also have the freedom to go where they wish. So many of the paths are created to allow wheelchair use, for example, um, and but also if crossing the land in a wheelchair, You still have to follow the highway code and to be aware that other people will be using the paths as well. And don't disturb the animals. Liz, are you going to tell us a wee bit about architecture? Yeah, well, just just before we get on to the architecture,
0: Helen, um, I'm just thinking as you're talking about that, an important aspect of the right to roam is the fact that with rights come responsibilities. Mm -hmm. So people have to take responsibility. I mean, I know that there's a constant ongoing battle with some farmers because people just aren't responsible. For example, in the lambing season, all dogs must be on leads. And of course, they don't always do that. So it's not without uh, contention, this right to roam.
1: And certainly just now, during post-corona times or post-lockdown times in Scotland, A lot of the population are not able to get away on the foreign holidays that would normally be on at this time of year. They're on furlough, so they've got time on their hands and they want to get out and enjoy our wonderful countryside, which is fabulous. But unfortunately, a lot of people are forgetting the whole idea of leave no trace and they're leaving all their rubbish. They're leaving their campsites, their tents and chairs uh, for the locals to have to deal with. So there is uh, certainly, a fair amount of debate just now with uh, local communities over what is suitable and what is not. But you know, that's one of the, the the great things about Scottish society. We can have a debate. We can change things as we go, while still trying to maintain access. And as you say, there's some great paths out there for people of all abilities. Um, there's one local to me in Pitlochry at Loch Dunmore, where you can have, you know, kids' buggies and uh, wheelchairs and everything all the way around the loch. And it's just a little haven of nature. So great to get out and about.
0: And as you say, these are, are particular times, unprecedented times. And a good example of that are the islands of Scotland, which by and large have been able to remain COVID free. And the only way that you can get access to the islands is by the ferries. And so there's big debate on the island, know, 50% of the population saying we want to remain COVID free, keep the tourists out. And the other half that depend on tourism for their living saying get the ferries back on running, I need to make an income here.
1: Yes, and the Isle of Egg have just said that they're basically not having any tourism till at least September. Uh, and they're asking people to stay away because there's no facilities open on the Isle of Egg. That's E-I-G-G. Um, it's community owned and run. And they've only got forty spaces on their on their ferry that goes to the island, and they need that for people, families getting on and off the island to visit relatives and and get tradespeople in.
0: I spend a lot of my time up in the Highlands of Scotland, particularly in the Cairngorm National Park, and it has some of the um, largest variety of endangered species in the British Isles and of course um, during the nesting season ground nesting birds if you've got people roaming all over the hillsides camping letting their dogs and their children run loose then of course it disturbs all the birds so you just to, to round up there's a lot of issues surrounding this right to roam it's great we all appreciate it
2: but with rights come responsibilities. Absolutely Liz totally agree common sense
1: And it'll be interesting to see what the effect has been of uh, lockdown on all these ground-nesting birds because there'll be nobody out and about to disturb them because we were locked down really through the prime breeding season. So let's see what happens with Scotland's wildlife.
0: Excellent. Well, I have four baby red squirrels in my garden up in the Highlands at the moment. (laughs) And this is unheard of, but it's because the roads have been so quiet. The roads are the biggest danger to the squirrels. So I'm hoping that they survive this year. Anyway, moving on, I'm talking about the Highlands. We have a little cottage, a second home up there, which is an issue in itself that we can come back to at some point in the future. But it's one of the smaller traditional buildings of Scotland. Some of you might have been lucky enough to have travelled to the British Isles and have um, visited Scotland and England. And if um, if you imagine your little village, in England, you probably think of the village square, the duck pond, that sort of thing. If you visited Scotland, it's a different settlement pattern. It tends to be linear along one long main street. And if you think of the, the highlands and the shortbread tins and images, you might think of little highland cottages. Well, the reason that we're so different from England is that England has a lot of fire clay. And traditionally, the building material in England would have been brick. Scotland doesn't have fire clay, and so we have plenty of stone. Whether we take it from the fields or we take it from the seashore, there's always been a lot of stone around. And when you build a building of stone, it tends to last. And so we have a tremendous variety of what we call Scottish vernacular buildings. Buildings that are built according to local need and circumstance. Whatever materials they have to hand, whatever their particular needs are, whether it's to protect themselves from the wet or from the wind um, or to use the topography of the land. So as you travel around Scotland, you've got lots of variety to look at. For example, up in Orkney, um, Neolithic Orkney, going back 3000 years BC, we still have stone cottages that we can see because there the local sandstone splits and so they used it as flagstones to build um, the buildings of Neolithic Orkney. And you can go to places like Napofauer and Jarl- Jarlshof and see these buildings and how the people would have lived
2: before even the pyramids were built in Egypt. Well Liz what you were saying there was really interesting because I remember my husband lamenting the fact that building had become very regular throughout the whole of the UK. There was a time just as you said Liz that buildings were built according to the weather whereas now the house builder firms get a design and build it whether it be in the south of England the north of Scotland on the coast inland. It's the same style of building. Yeah and of course One of the other
0: differences was the type of roofing material, because if you think of Outlander in the Highlands, you tend to think of thatched cottages. Um, They were built over, preferably, wooden, what's called crux, the structure that forms the roof. In some places, like Orkney and the the islands, they didn't have trees. They could use driftwood, but they had to be inventive. So things like whalebone, they would use other derelict cottage and recycle the wood so good practice there and then they would put a thatch over it and that thatch could be made of reed that was the prime one because it would last a generation or it could be heather or it could be just bracken or um, anything any vegetation that was growing around so it was accommodating what you had to hand.
1: And of course some of the great buildings in scotland the ones you see often as photos on scotland from the roadside facebook group yep. are the ones with the red tin roofs all that wonderful corrugate iron and they do give some of the best ones. like there's another one on barra as well uh, hope blamar the artist has a great painting that she did with one of the red roofed houses on barra so you know the whole that whole vernacular architecture is fabulous
0: that uh, corrugated iron the name that we give it in scotland is crinkly tin And it actually came to Scotland with Prince Albert, the consort of Queen Victoria, because he went down to the Great Exhibition in London in the middle of the 19th century and he saw a building made of corrugated iron and he decided, right, that's what I'm going to have for my ballroom at Balmoral. And so when the local people saw it, they thought, if it's good enough for Victoria, it's good enough for us. It's cheap, it's convenient. And so every building started to be made of crinkly tin so you'll see churches yes. and community halls and even today we're just finished building a garden room at the back of the cottage and still the roofing material is a modern equivalent of crinkly tin
1: and of course you've got the second world war buildings as well the nissen huts that are kind of semi-circular in shape and they're still in use they may be not on their original site but they are still in use there's a walk i do near Pitlochry, up over middleton of vanab and the state still has one of the Nissen hut buildings it uses for, for kind of, I suppose, storage and all that kind of stuff. So it shows, you, you know, they were built to last. Just, you think, these crinkly tin huts, just a semicircle circle of, of the corrugate. And they're still going, here we are, what, you know, kind of 60, 70, 80 years later.
2: Yes, I remember when Liz and I had a, a group, a family group um, on Sky, and they wanted to um, learn highland dancing. And so... The dancing instructor that we found also got the village hall and the village hall in her village on Sky was made entirely of the crinkly tin and it was only the size of a badminton court. Uh, The sidelines were right at the wall and the American family thought this was wonderful going into a crinkly tin hall the size of a badminton court to learn Highland dancing. And if you if you come to
0: Scotland, one of the the crinkly tin buildings that you must see is up on Orkney. It's called the Italian Chapel. It was built by prisoners of war and they used an old Nissan hut. And the lengths that these prisoners have gone to in terms of creating this chapel and decorating it um, is absolutely phenomenal. So definitely recommend that.
1: Brilliant. And of course, you know, people have many reasons for coming to Scotland. That's a great one. Uh, The Italian chapel is amazing. But, you know, some people will come to research their ancestry. And that's something I've just got into actually during lockdown. So in Scotland, we had lockdown from when was that? About the end of March through to oh, end June, beginning of July. And there was always a family story that somehow we were related to Charles Rennie McIntosh. And I was like, is this just a family myth or is there actually something to this? Um, So I started kind of pulling together the family tree and and asking around my aunts and stuff. They, They had a little bit of information. And it was amazing how easy it was to do some research over the internet. I didn't need to be in a Scottish library or anything. We've got the wonderful website run by the Scottish government that's got the births, deaths and marriages. Scotland's people's website. And from that, you can do a a fairly easy search if you've got some dates. And then if you find a marriage record, well, it's got the names of the parents on it and it tells you how old the people were when they got married. So that gives you a chance to get back a generation. And then we've got the census reports you can do. And it really it doesn't cost that much. And it's really quite simple. Um and it's been really interesting and you know, rather than just doing my dad's side of the family, I've managed to pull stuff from my mum's side and then my boyfriend got a whole lot of stuff from his side of the family that originally from Caithness but are now in Bermuda. And uh it's just really interesting getting stuck into all of this. And yes, I did find the link to Charles Rennie Macintosh.
0: Brilliant. It's something that's very good to do with your 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 parents while you've still got them. My mum and I did it a, a while back and um my mum when she was growing up she had her father's mother lived with them for a long time, always dressed in widow's weeds in black, very strict. And uh, she would never call my grandmother by her first name. She always called her Mrs Beattie, very proper. Um, And while we were doing all this ancestral research, we kept on coming across all these illegitimate children. And my mother kept on saying, if my grandmother knew this now.
1: (laughs) Heavens. I know, because I found one death certificate and it said, you know, whoever's uh, notified the death and it says inmate and i'm like have we got a convict in our family where's this come from so i need to do a bit more uh, research because i went to see my my great uncle uh just a couple of days ago with my great auntie mary so um Kind of through marriage, the two of them. And uh, he was saying, well, yes, there was somebody in the family that was a prison officer. I thought, oh, well, this could maybe be it. So I've got more research to do and more things to go and find, but there's loads of records on the internet that will help you. And it's very addictive, very addictive. Yes,
2: yeah, I remember my my mother, um, it was her cousin's family who were doing um, the ancestry research. And they came to see my mother at that time as the oldest living um, member of the family, and they said we've come across this um, anti Teen or Teen on the on the uh, chart. And what do you know about Teen? And my mother said, "Oh, oh, we never talked about her. No, 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 no. She, she, <laughs> she, she, she didn't exist to the family. Yeah, there's skeletons <laughs> in every cover. That's Helen. right? So." <laughs>
0: did use Ancestry.com and as you say you go down a lot of blind alleys on the way but where I found it has been really interesting is that a lot of people over in Canada where a lot of my maternal grandmothers she was one of 13 children mm-hmm. and a lot of her brothers went across there to Canada and across there we have people who are reaching out to us <laughs> because they've been doing their ancestry and um, so we, we find that uh, we're my grandparents' generation and even my parents' generation kept in contact with people across there. Now there's people of my generation that are coming back and
2: re-establishing the links. It's, It's really interesting because my parents, both of my parents, my father would be 108 and my mother would be 105 if they were alive. And my mother was one of the set of twins born to my grandmother in 1915. And my grandmother was 40 when she had the twins, her first children, in 1915. Um, so she was very old and she she stayed with us. But we were going to a wedding. This would be in the 1950s. And she went to the hairdresser and said, could, she, could they singe her hair? And the hairdresser looked and said, well, we don't do that. And when I was doing my ancestry, looking through, I discovered that my great grandfather in the mid-1800s was a hairdresser. And when I looked up hairdressing in the mid-1800s, but apparently the way of of cutting hair in the mid-1800s was to set it on fire, to singe it. So I think I'm glad they've passed that bit now. But Ancestry takes you down all sorts of paths.
1: Uh, It does. And it's it's fabulous. It is addictive. addictive. I've been up until like three, four in the morning trying to find this little piece. So now on to our word of the episode. Um, What we've been doing is every episode we're going to pick a Scottish word that our Scots word that we love, we each love, and talk a little bit about it. Who wants to kick off?
2: Well, would you like me to start off with the word drich? Go for it. Drich. D-R-E-I-C-H. Drich. Normally you use it to refer to weather, and it's where the weather is dull, dismal, it's not pouring with rain, nor there is it brilliant sunshine. It's just a weather or not, a, an in-between. It's drich, and I think there is no word in the English language that sums up that type of weather better than the word drich. As Billy Connolly would say, we have two seasons in Scotland,
0: winter and July. So if we can't have a good day in July, we've got no chance. Yes, you're right.
1: Oh, very good. Liz, what's your word?
0: Well, my word is the opposite. My word actually describes today because my word is braw. B-R-A-W. And my word braw, beautiful, lovely. Affy braw, awful braw, very, very nice. Very Aberdeen. Um, So braw. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. It would be a counter to drich. What about you, Susan?
1: Well, I'm going to pick a word that describes people. Um, And and this, to me, describes the Scottish character in one word. It's Thrawn, T-H-R-A-W-N, Thrawn. Listen to the rolling of the R as well, Thrawn. And basically, it means pig-headed or stubborn. And even though we know we should be doing something, if someone tells us to do it, we get thrown <laughs> and we do the opposite, even though we know we should be doing it.
0: Yeah. I think that an indicator of a, a Scot, particularly a gentleman Scot, my husband, when he's driving along in the days when you used to have the sat naps and the voice telling you what to do, he would get into an argument with the female <laughs> that was telling him what to do.
2: Yes. And I think perhaps we, in, in a previous con- podcast, we talked about debates in Scotland. Well, I think that the debaters are always thrown. I'll listen to what you say but I'm sticking to my opinion I'm thrown that way
1: oh wonderful well look ladies it's been lovely talking to you
2: there we have it our blether for this week if
1: you'd like to engage with us on social media everybody out there um, we're on Twitter Instagram and Facebook as Scottish Bleathers we'd love to hear what you think of the episode and any topics that you might like us to cover in, the, in future blethers so please do get in touch so it's cheery bye from me Tata the news from me
2: and if i don't see you through the week i'll see you through the windy from me bye see ya bye